Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Kai Night fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. I'm Adam Tiffin. And I'm Mike Booth. The losing run is finally over as United pick up their first win since New Year's Day and the first clean sheet in 29 games by beating Burton Albion 1-0. We look back on the last two fixtures before looking ahead to this weekend's clash with Reading at Brunton Park. We've nearly done it, guys. We've nearly managed to make it as not the worst ever team at League One level. I think it's one more win we need, is it, I think? To take us to 26 points. Oh, what a relief. It's in our hands. That, it, that's got, it, it's got to be the first target for the rest of the season. It's surely, mm. it has to be the first target. But what a relief, hey, guys, to finally get that win. And like, I think we all looked at this fiction and thought it, it looks a good contender to finally get that monkey off our back, didn't we? Yeah, and, and a clean sheet as well. It's worth noting. Yeah. That's another monkey off our back. Um, yeah. yeah, hopefully we can look ahead now some hopefully winnable games and we can go on a bit of a run mm-hmm. would you agree on that Adam sorry <laughs> I let you come in no, that's alright I was waiting for you to, to maybe <laughs> come in with another question um, yeah it's just like you say it's not even at this point it wasn't even about the manner of the victory mm. it was just about a victory or about a clean yeah. sheet um, it wasn't really too important how it came about mm-hmm. but now that we have done it it should provide a bit more confidence, not only just in the fan base, but in the team too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right, we've got plenty to fit in today. We've got two games to talk about. We're not going to talk too much in depth about the Bristol Rovers game because I don't think any of us went to it, so we've had to sort of re-watch it back and, and watch highlights and stuff like that. Um, and we obviously were able to watch the iFollow game on Tuesday night against uh, Burton. Um, so before we get going, just a reminder, as usual, the sponsor for the podcast this season is the Kai Night Sports Club London branch. Uh, they do lots of fantastic stuff for the club in terms of fundraising. Also do stuff for exiles in terms of arranging away travel and tickets for some of the big games, especially. Uh, you don't have to live in the southeast or London to join them. You can live wherever in the world uh, and join them. So if you want to find out more about them, go to their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. Or just grab one of the guys at one of the upcoming away games. Uh, Charlton's probably a good one, actually. We'll, we'll tell you what pub it is for pre-Charlton. I keep forgetting to tell you the uh, the pre-match pubs this season, but we'll uh, we'll try and remind you for the Charlton games. If you want to grab one of the guys there, you're certainly welcome to. Uh, right, let's get into news. Obviously, uh, before we're going to be following up with uh, reviews of the Bristol Rovers game and the Burton Allen game. A look ahead to the Reading game, including a chat with Alex from the um, Elm Park Royals uh, podcast. And then, uh, yeah, we're also going to look ahead to the Reading game ourselves and do some predictions and that kind of thing. Um, let's start with news. Um, starting off with a little bit of sad news that uh, broke earlier this week, unfortunately. Um, a, a legend of football and someone who, despite only being here for a season, certainly made a mark at Brunton Park, Stan Bowles, sadly passed away after his uh, long battle with uh, dementia, I think it was, wasn't it? Sadly, um, yeah, it, really, really sad that... News this because obviously none of us got to see him play. We're all too far too, you know. Sorry, Alzheimer's. Sorry, I should say. Yeah, I'll correct myself there. I knew it was one of the two. Um, yeah, none of us got to see him play. We're far too young. But we've all heard the stories, haven't we, Adam? You know, he's one of those. He's, he's a maverick, isn't he? One of those players that you just don't hear of anymore. Really, someone who had all that ability in the world, but 
I don't want to say he was lazy or anything, if you know what I mean, but he, you know, he just he just a natural ability, wasn't it, that he had? Yeah, there's not many of them left in today's football, whether that's for better or for, or for worse. Um, but like you said, it, it's a player that I'm sure people of, of generations past will, would speak fondly of. Um, and you'd look at his footballing resume in terms of the teams he played for. You can you only need to look at that. You wouldn't even really need to look at his actual performances to, to tell he was a good player. So, yeah, like you said, a very, very sad loss and to a, a very sad uh, way of going to. Yeah, and then I mean, I mean, you look at it. I mean, Mike, for us, thirty-three games, twelve goals doesn't really tell the full story, does it? Because he was part of that team that played against AS Roma in the uh, Anglo-Italian Cup, and uh, allegedly he infuriated uh, the Italians in the uh, Stadio Olimpico by doing a kippy uppies on the halfway line at one point during the game. So I mean, just shows you what kind of person he was, and he left us to go to Queen Park Rangers, where he really is a legend. You know, two hundred fifty-five games, seventy goals, and. I think the only shock, really, is he only got five caps for England and one goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you said yourself, like, we didn't see him play, but the stories of him in that Roma game, like, passed down from Karloff and to Karloff mm. and a folklore. And, yeah. you know, I guess they, they always will, and it'll always be remembered for that. Um, I think my mum saw him play, because she went to a few games in the 70s. Um, but, yeah, just... Uh, Football, like Adam said, is running out of sort of characters like that. And yeah, he did play for England, but and I suppose to be fair, at that time playing for England, there was a lot of competition up front as well. So yeah, um, yeah he, he sort of did it all in the game, really. Yeah, obviously the legendary uh, quote about him isn't there, that he, you know if he could pass a pass a bookies as well as he could pass a football, he'd be a very rich man. Wouldn't he? So, <laughs> so there you go. Um, right, let's get on to more present stuff. Uh, start off with a little bit of good news: uh, the Floodlit Cup. Uh, we mentioned this last week, uh, the under-15 side, we thought they were going to have a really tough game against Crew Alexandra. Well, guess what? They turned off 3-1 winners against uh, the Railway men um, to take themselves into the next round. So brilliant stuff from the young lads there. Goals from Amaru Smith, Caleb Comp, and William Rafferty uh, put United into the next round. I wonder if William Rafferty is actually related to Billy Rafferty, the, the former United player. I wonder if he's maybe a, a grandson or something like that. It's a very interesting one. Um, so well done to the young lads. Uh, once we have details on when the next round game is, we'll, we'll tell you about them as well so you can hopefully get down to support them if it's a home game, of course. If it's an away game, I suppose you could go as well. Uh, and a little bit of news that broke today. Um, this is one that's been bubbling under for a little while, hasn't it, Adam? But finally, Gabe Breeze has signed his new deal. And it's a free deal as well, which shows the faith that Paul Simpson and the, and the club have in him, doesn't it? You know, tying him down till the summer of 2027. Well, I guess it's in keeping with the theme of the January signings yeah. or the permanent ones at least which were lengthy contracts which mm. is something that has only really been um present at this club i mean it sort of started in the summer with a couple of two-year deals mm-hmm. but it's really ramped up now um and it does show the faith that they've got in him um but also maybe the also acceptance that maybe he's not quite immediately ready that he will yeah. still need some time to to improve um, because if they felt that was the case, they maybe would have been um, a shorter deal rather than offering something much more long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great for him. It's great for the club. Obviously, it's a pain that they wish they probably wouldn't have had, but mm-hmm. that's the way it's turned out. But they've got it over the line. I suppose as well, Mike, the way you look at it is that that's one job done for the summer almost, isn't it, really? Unless they're looking to loan him out, which I don't imagine they would straight away. You've got your first two first-choice keepers sorted for next season. Well, two keepers competing for the first-choice role for next season. Yeah, I think what what I 
understand from reading between the lines is that the reason this took so long, it wasn't really a money issue. He kind of wanted mm. to know what his role would be. Yeah. And Simo has basically said, look, your second choice. And I think next season, you know, you've got your three trophy games in the yeah. group stage. You know, you'll have a Carabao Cup game early yeah. on, FA Cup. You know, if he gets a run in all them while Lewis is rested, that's really good experience for him. And yeah. um, hopefully, you know, and, and Lewis may get a little niggle here and there throughout the season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that'll serve his his development fine without him needing to go out on loan. Yeah, and it may well be second half of the season. I think, you know what, let's send him out on loan, get him some game time, and you can get some in on loan in January to cover his place, can't you? So that's, that's good stuff. But, yeah, good to have him tied down uh, for next season. Uh, one little bit of news to finish off with. Uh, a ticket offer announced by the club uh, for the Stevenage game. £10 for adults and £5 for concessions. I think it's a one-club, one-community thing. I, I think it's linked to some sort of EFL initiative, isn't it? But, um, but yeah, nice ticket offer there, hopefully to get a, a few fans down for that match. Because um, I imagine that's, it's one of the games that's probably not going to have a big away following, is it? I think it's fair to say, mm. even though I know Stevenage are up near the top. Definitely not. They don't really travel in huge numbers. So, they don't yeah. throw on ground, let alone... Oops, no, up to us. Certainly true. No, we, we don't want to start wars with Stevenage again. We had them <laughs> last season, but uh, but no. Um, yeah, no, good stuff to see that offer in there. And uh, yeah, let's move on to the match review section. So starting off, Bristol Rovers 2, Cal United 1. Um, Adam, this, this is this is a kind of a weird one because like, following off of the Cambridge game, you think, oh, eight, that's eight defeats in a row now. Things are getting worse, blah, blah, blah. But it was... You can't hide from the fact it was an improved performance compared against the Cambridge game. I know it's a very low bar to move up from, but there was just those slight signs in this game. Okay, maybe things are picking up just slightly. You could see um, you could see a slight forward tra- trajectory, couldn't you? Yeah, definitely. I do think there's an element of you know positivity just because really how much worse could it have got, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that you know obviously a lot of people weren't there to necessarily see it maybe soften the blow of the loss a bit and I think people sort of become numb to the defeats at that point but it was pretty clear to me at least from the the commentary that things were at least better and that we were maybe just outclassed by a team that had superior talent yeah absolutely that that, that was that was the main thing a couple of real quality players or three real quality players in attack I think in Sinclair Martin and Brown probably made the big difference in this one um in terms of when the team was announced Mike uh I think the only change was Barkley coming out for charters, maybe, I think, if I remember rightly. So, um, obviously, Mellish dropped back into defence as a result. Was that was that what you expected for this one? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say... Yeah, I didn't disagree with the team. Um, I mean, you and me had both been calling for charters to come back yeah. in for a little while. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of them. It's, it's so hard at the minute to really call the team. I mean, you know, we'll touch on it later. I think a few of us want wanted Huntington back in but you wouldn't mm. ex- have expected it necessarily um yeah. but yeah it was uh I think as good a team as we could realistically pick yeah I think in the circumstances I think it's probably probably the team most of us expected wasn't it mm. um started the game quite positively though you know had a, a few early chances um I think Armstrong had one in particular where it was a good bit of play down the um Sorry, Charters had a really good one, but he hit the post quite early on. But then, Josh Vela, I didn't expect him to be a goal machine, did you, Adam, when we signed his record? No. Six goals, I think, in his whole career, and he scored two already for us, something like that. I know. It's ridiculous. Well, I think I think also, 
I don't think anybody was expecting him to be the one that's been pushed higher up the pitch, but that no. seems to be the, the dynamic that's been working with Neil being the one who's sitting deeper and then he's the one who's trying to join the press and be that yeah. more advanced mm. central midfielder. So, I mean, I can't remember um, of his times playing for, for Fleetwood and Bolton, whether he, I don't think he played as that sort of role. Um, but no. he's clearly adapted to it well and it'll be very helpful considering the lack of production we've had from our attack to have some reinforcements in terms of goal scoring ability in behind them. Yeah, I mean, he's got his, his yellow card record suggests otherwise, doesn't it? I think it's fair to say mm. that he, he's not a particular well, attacking player. dangerously close to, is it, I think he needs to One, survive the next well, three games or yeah, something like no, that. No, I, I, I think he has to survive till the end of the season where we'll have another booking. Or he gets a free game ban. That's what I, I think, thought it was, but I saw somebody said it was the thirty-seven I, game I, mark. No, I, I think that's for, that that, that's for ten bookings. I think which John Mellish has to survive for the next three right, games. Okay. So, so there you go. Um, so yeah, it, it was a decent move. I thought actually, this you know uh, the corner from the from the left from Vela was a little bit over here, but United recycled the ball really well. Comes to arm and sends a really deep loop high uh, cross to the far post, which is flicked on by a defender. And it's a lovely cushion finish, isn't it, Mike, from, from Vela to mm. put it in the back of the net? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I didn't realise he sort of had that in his locker. But I was thinking more, more on Vela on the whole, is that when we signed him, I have to say I was I was a little bit disappointed. But thinking about it now, you know, and when we were crap last time Simo was here, he's that sort of player that Simo signed last time. I, you know, I mean, I, I feel like players like you sort of Kevin Henderson's, um, Kev Grays, they don't really exist anymore, but mm. I feel Vela is as close as you can get to them sort of, of pros, um, and I think he brings good experience to the team, and he's certainly a hard-working player, and I think that's what we need to get us out of what we're in. Yeah, he's, he's very industrious, and he doesn't shy yeah. from getting, be, getting involved, does he? So one thing, he, he'll, he, he'll quite happily demand the ball, he'll quite happily go for his tackles, he'll put himself about, you know, which... Slightly to his detriment with the number of yellow cards he gets, I get that. But generally, I think I think he, I agree with you. I think he's going to be, you know, look, we're probably going to be in League Two next season. I think he'll be a very good player for us in League Two. Yeah, One of those definitely. sort of players we, we're going to need a little bit of experience at that level. So I think he'll definitely make a difference there. So yeah, really good stuff this. We, we could have gone 2 up. Armstrong had a chance from uh, a cutback from back that just went wide of the post. Um, and then unfortunately... <sighs> This one, Adam, I look back at this and there was a bit of a debate on Radio Cumbria in the commentary about this, wasn't there? Is it a bit of naivety from Lavelle to come a bit too tight to Brown? I, I think I tend to agree with, I think Lummy was the one who said, wasn't it? I think James thought it was just a really good flick. It is a good flick from Brown, but for me, Lavelle has been a bit naive and going in far too quickly to try and make the tackle, which allows Brown to get away on the left. I wouldn't necessarily lean towards that. I think it's just, I think it's pure quality mm. and just because of... Lavelle's mobility, um, I don't think he can really... Well, yeah. there's two ways looking at it. You can think, you know, because of his mobility, he has to get tight to him because otherwise, if he allows him to turn on the ball, then he's done for. Or you can look at it as he's pressed too high, like you said, and, and, been, and been done on the turn. But to produce that, as a defender, you can't expect somebody to, to pull that out of the locker. You can't anticipate that. They've obviously been told to, to get up close to them on the mm. touch. And it, I think he's just been done by some very good skill. Yeah, I think mean, the only question I would have on it is, 
does he need to come that far out to do it? Because it was almost on the halfway line. I wonder if it's a little bit closer to goal, I'd maybe understand it. But for me, it left a big space in behind for him to run in. So it's a good run. That's, and actually, that's be- literally exactly what I was going to say. I think yeah. regardless of how tight he was, like Lavelle coming that deep with, like if you're marking a striker and he goes that deep, let him. Like yeah, because if you go with him, it. you're leaving a massive gap at the back for another yeah. player to run into. Um, yeah. And when he did that little flick, I it, I it had me thinking we don't have a single player with that in their locker, you know. Uh, um, and well, in Jack the diamond, diamond maybe yeah, in the locker or not. But I think the issue with us this season is I still. T- to this day, I don't think that we're the worst team in this league, but we are certainly the team that lacks confidence the most. And I yeah. don't think that we have a single player with the confidence to pull to pull that off. I think, I think if, Gibson would try if that it. was well, I think if that was one of our players, the way that they've been recently, they'd just sort of lay the ball back for a simple yeah. five yard no, pass. Right. You know, when they hear the centre back closing them down that quickly, they'd just do yeah. something simple like that. They wouldn't yeah. go for the spectacular like uh, no. like Brown did. It's it's a good little flick. He's away down the left and puts in a good ball. I would say, I, I think it's Mellish's the defender. I think he maybe could have intercepted it. It might just be coming across him in a bit of an awkward angle, making it difficult and he doesn't want to put it in the back of his own net. But as it is, the ball comes to Chris Martin and he's not going to miss a chance from that far out, to be fair. Decent finish. It's 1-1 into the second half. And United could have gone back in the lead with a, a really good chance from a, from a corner from the from the right Charter sends it in. Armstrong's initial head is blocked just in front of the line. And then Melish has two really good chances that, in fairness, he just has to try and poke it and defender gets in the way both times. And unfortunately, then Rovers go up the other end and uh, take the lead, don't they? And this one, Adam, there's been a bit of a debate again about this one. Should Harry Luce do a bit better? I think having seen it again now, maybe he could. He might be a little bit unsighted, but... The ball, I wouldn't say it goes through his hands, but it's a bit past him before he dives, isn't it? The replay really doesn't help him. Because um, yeah. it, it does look like it's not been hit with much venom. It's not... On the radio, it seems like it's right in the top corner yeah. and you you hear it and you go, right, well, you know, there's nothing we could do about it. It's just another moment of quality. But you realise when you see the other angle of it that it was fairly central. Um, and yeah, I think he, I do think he has to do better. But I think earlier in the in the build up to it, Harrison mm. Neal, he's ve- he's a very marauding player. He charges yeah. out. He's he's a bit like John Mellish, but with a bit of technique. Yeah. Um, is Harrison Neal at times? And he charged out to try and um, intercept or tackle one of the midfielders yeah. who then played it forward to Sinclair, and he just left a massive gap between yeah, yeah. himself and the defence, which allowed them to break. Obviously, you know, if Lewis makes a save, that's no problem. But I think that's maybe also a bit of naivety on Neil's part, just because of his age and things like that, not having the awareness yeah. of the game state to sort of hold his position and just try and stifle them until you can get some players back to help. Yeah, he, he's, I absolutely agree with that. That's the first thing I spotted when I watched the, the highlights back. I was like, Neil sold himself a little bit short there. He didn't really need to fly into it, really. He could have, he could have just, like I said, took a step back and just let, let the play continue, so... Bit of a frustrating one, that one. And, uh, yeah, from that point onwards, we didn't really create as much, I don't think. And um, Rovers nearly had a third on the break. But actually, to be fair, Lewis did brilliantly tip the ball onto the post with it from a short, uh, close-range chance. And uh, that was it. Yeah, in terms of talking points here, Mike, we won't go into too much detail because we've got the Burton games covered. I think we could talk a bit, enjoy talking about that one a little bit more than this one. Um, 
what I would say is, Mike, we, we created some decent chance in this match. And the mm. stats-wise, we, we fairly matched Bristol Rovers, didn't we? You know, in, in pretty much all departments, in, including past success, you know, tw- 74% they had. We had 72, you know, shots on shots, including shots on target, 14 and 3, and they had 11 and 4. So possession pretty much equal. It's It, it, it was a... It was a fairly tight game, really, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and I think you know that pass success rate seventy two earlier in the season we were getting like thirties, forties, yeah. weren't we? Um, so I think it's definitely indicative that we're trying to play a little bit more football and not just lump it long so much. Um, and obviously, you know, the green shoots, shall we say, from that game came to fruition uh, on yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. A lovely uh, Stephen Presley phrase for us there, <laughs> Mike. Thanks very much for that. The one thing. I noticed with it was especially in the Cambridge game. Obviously, I didn't get to watch the full game for this, but obviously, I wasn't on for the uh, reaction to the Cambridge game. But it was really annoying me the fact that the two centre midfielders, so it would have been um, Neil and uh, not Neil, sorry, Vela and whoever was in central midfield with him, were basically being told to stand next to Armstrong. So there was no one to receive the ball off the mm. back line other than the Neil. Um, but I'm happy that's been eradicated. From yeah. the from the system because it was driving me insane in that game. Yeah, no, you're right on that one. Um, I, I don't really got a huge amount else to talk about this one. At the end of the day, it was a, it was an improved performance, a slight step forward, albeit from a very very low base, which is why it was important that come Tuesday night we got a good result, and we did. Burton Albion nil, Cal United won. Um, yeah, I mean the, the change to the team for this one, Mike. Paul Hunter to come in, something we all cried out for, mm. and it made a big difference, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, we've kept two clean sheets this season, and they've both been with a bat three of Lavelle, Huntington, and Mellish. So pretty telling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, and that's the thing. I think at the start of the season, it didn't look perfect, and I think obviously Huntington got injured, didn't he? But I think Simo was tinkering and changing, maybe trying to get something more perfect. But I remember last season. When Feeney was out injured at the start, and we were saying, "Oh, imagine Feeney hunting to Mellish. What a good bat three that'd be!" But that took a few games for it to actually, mm. you know, gel. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely the way forward now. Um, and Armour at left back as well. Armour was left back for well, left wing back for both of them clean sheets as well. So I think that's the way to go forwards. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see Jack sort of getting a little bit back to his best as well because he's had a, a topsy turvy season, hasn't he? But he, he's looked a little bit more solid playing in there. Uh, Jack Ellis also came th- for this one. Uh, Finn back dropped out of the squad altogether, and Simo's basically said he's protecting him. And I think they're, they're working very cautiously. They want. To, I kind of feel like we're managing Finn back to the end of the season, aren't we, um, mm. Adam? Just to, to almost make sure he doesn't do anything bad again. And he's out of contract and. Uh, Finn back, isn't he, at Forest? And I do wonder if he's one we might even target potentially as a permanent one. And if we can look after him and make sure he doesn't do anything stupid with that hamstring, could be. Yeah, option, maybe. Maybe I don't. Uh, this season's not been as encouraging, but obviously nah. his last season in League Two was was very encouraging. The massive caveat of though is the the injuries, Fitness. and like you say, we're having to. We're having to nurse him till the end of the season, really, and that's probably under the advice of of Forrest. Who, I mean, yeah. obviously, even though he's out of contract, they're like they'll be saying to us, you know, don't you be running our young player into the ground, otherwise you won't be getting any of our good <laughs> young players in the future. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, but we are lucky that that's one of the areas that we actually have a bit of depth in, even though Emmanuel's obviously not 
back yet, but he's coming back soon, and Ellis has been playing recently, so we have some cover there, so it's not as big of a hit as it might have been. Yeah, interestingly as well, there was a change in the obviously the formation here. Obviously, going as you mentioned the back three, but also Mike that meant Jack Diamond was pushed up front alongside uh, Luke Armstrong, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But that seemed to make a bit of a difference as well. That gave us a little bit of a extra quality in that attack, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, for what we've seen of Armstrong so far, I'd prefer him in a front two. Uh, mm. I think he he works better having someone making runs sort of in behind, so he can drop a bit deep. Um, yeah, I think it works much better. And by all accounts, we saw the best of Diamond from that as well. Yeah, we did. I do wonder if, it's frustrating to say this, but if you're playing a front three, I think you need someone like a Coyote playing on the left off him. Someone who's going to mm. come inside and support him a little bit more a bit more often. So so there you go. Um, well, let's talk about the goal then. I mean, I, I just realised I haven't actually updated the text here on the thing, so it says someone else has scored the goal. But a um, bit of confusion about who scored the goal, which is apparently being cleared up by the GB's goals panel. But frankly, who gives a toss who scored the goal? It's a goal, and it's a winning goal as well. Um, brilliant ball into the middle, wasn't it, Adam, from Charters, I have to say, from the set piece. It was perfect because sometimes they are whipped with a bit too much height. Sometimes they're too low and catch out the man. This was almost a perfect height, whipped with pace, and all he needed was someone to glance it in, and that's what we got from Lavelle slash Huntington. If you're one of those players that's in the box, that's the exact delivery you want. You don't yeah. want to have to generate all the power. You just want to have to get a touch on it that will guide it in. Um, and that's exactly what it was. And I I tend to prefer those types of free kicks where it's being swung from that position specifically, where yeah. it's been swung out away from the keeper because you can afford to put it deep without risking... Because the keeper, unless he's very confident, won't come for them unless it's right on his, on his head. Yeah. So I prefer that tactic of having the left footer taking those sorts of free kicks but as you say it was a brilliant delivery and it's something we've really missed this season yeah. is that consistency from set pieces yeah Mike whose goal is it then Lavelle or Huntington it's Lavelle's isn't it um, don't tell me you're going to say Huntington I, I I genuinely I've watched I've watched the footage so many times because because the camera angle so low and so rubbish it, it's really really hard to tell I think Lavelle gets the first touch but I do wonder if he's just flicked it onto Huntington and it's got in off him and actually that's what's directed it into the net. You, it's, re- you, it's so hard to tell. You do realise the club put a tweet up saying we spoke to the lads and have decided it's Lavelle's yeah, goal. They both uh, agreed it. So, but no, but so no, no, why no. are you arguing with Huntington? Well, I, no, I'm arguing with Huntington because uh, <laughs> you, you may have missed this, but the dubious goals panel have looked at it. Simo's confirmed today that the dubious goals panel have confirmed that it's Paul Huntington's goal. No, so that is the first goal of the season. So, well, no, uh, I think your official assist stats are going to have to put Sam Lavelle <laughs> with a very, very close range assist. So uh, there you go. Um, yeah, so Paul Hunting to get his first goal since Boxing Day last year. Um, not last year, sorry, Boxing Day 2022. It will be, yeah, wouldn't it? God, it's been a while. So first goal of the season. Um, and from that point, it was a case of, right, we're not going to concede anything silly here. And I've got to say, Adam, defended really well on an absolute pudding of a pitch. It's a horrible pitch, but I've, I wouldn't stretch as far as so we defended very well. No, there was a lot of chances that uh, had there been maybe a better team playing against us that we would have struggled. Obviously, uh, Lewis made a good save before mm. we scored from a, yeah. a header from, from Brayford. Um, and there was, there was a few times actually relating to, to Lewis where sometimes the ball was crossed in 
quite close to him. And then mm. he said that he's not the type of keeper to come out and claim and you know dominate a box and things like that. But it's our defence hasn't proved to be great at defending crosses into the mm-hmm. box. And when those go in and they're a couple of yards away from him, he's stood on his line. It just makes it makes me feel very very anxious. So maybe I'm just only remembering the the nervous parts, but I don't think we defended brilliantly, but I think we did well enough and deserved to win the game. Yeah, I think that they had plenty of chances. From my memory, there was a lot of long-range chances that went over the bar. Mm-hmm. And I say Lewis did make three or four very good saves, and you mentioned the header from Brayford was a great example of one. There was another one, I think, where he pushed onto the post, didn't he, as well, from, from a set piece in the first half, from memory. And... Trying to think what the other ones were. There was the, there was a couple from uh, Camwell in the sec- second half, wasn't there? I think from that he saved quite well. I think and... there was one from a, a bit of a scramble in the box in the second yes. half that was sort of fired low yeah. in, um, which he saved I mean, well. I've got to say as well, brilliant hands to stop Lavelle scoring his third own goal of the season as well. <laughs> that that Did was... he actually touch it though? I don't know if he actually touched it. If you watch it back, he gets a he gets a slight nick on it enough to almost take it over Lavelle's uh, over Lewis's head. So he did very well, not just to watch it, but also catch it. So well, you said brilliant nervous. hands, brilliant feet. To be honest, because it'd yeah. be very easy for your t- feet to be like all over the place yeah. with that. And and the way our season's gone, like nine times out of ten, that would that would go in against us this season because yeah. we've conceded so many spawny goals like that. Yeah, we mentioned how good Jack Diamond was, uh, Adam. I mean. Nearly scored two goals from long range, didn't he? The first one in the first half found a great little bit of space, 25 yards from goal, hit a low shot that the keeper parries and it was then cleared. The one in the second half, that would have been goal of the season, wouldn't it? 25 yards out flying to the top corner and the keeper palms it over. Yeah, well, we don't have many to uh, to no, pick from, <laughs> but don't. it would have been a great strike. And that's the, that's the type of quality and almost arrogance that we've been missing in the team yeah. just to... Like some of the turns he was not only attempting, but pulling off were ridiculous. Half turns, you know, taking it on the half volley, flicking it around defenders like they're not mm. even there. Um, that's the confidence and the raw ability that we just haven't had at all this season. You've had it in flashes maybe from Gibson, but yeah. not on a consistent basis, not for a, a full 90 usually. So he's that shot that almost found the, the top corner were not for, for Crocombe. Yeah just symbol uh, symbolises what he is as, as a player, just someone who's going to take risks and has the quality to pull them off. What I like as well, that, that shot that you mentioned in the first half, mm. it, if you watch it again, it sort of it bounces just before the keeper, which yeah. I think is the clever thing to do on a pitch like that because... It, you know, and Armstrong was lurking, wasn't he? And there's an yeah. argument that we could we could and should have had a, a penalty for that. But like, yeah, having that shot and just making it bounce in front of the keeper, it can go anywhere. And you know, unfortunately, we didn't score off that. But yeah. I think it shows a little bit of nous that he seems to relish it, doesn't he, Adam? The, the the responsibility, doesn't he? I think that that's the first time we saw that. I think putting him in that role where he was going to get a lot more of the ball down the middle, he seemed to really sort of enjoy the fact that I'm going to be getting the ball. I'm the one who's going to try and make things. You know, tick in this match. And I think the comfortability of having a familiar face alongside him probably helps mm-hmm. as well. Because mm-hmm. obviously, his playing days with Armstrong go back to when they were at Harrogate and they played a lot together and would often yeah. link up together. Um, so, having that 
understanding of you know when Arm- it comes into Armstrong's chest, he knows Diamond's yeah. going to be coming round him to pick up the ball immediately, and then he's on his bike. Or when Diamond's on it, he knows what type of runs Armstrong likes to make and things like that. So it's it's that understanding and cohesiveness that maybe because of the chopping and changing and the cons- inconsistency of the Carlisle front line, we haven't seen much of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, overall, great win. Um, albeit against, I have to say, a really poor Burton side, Mike. I, I, I've got to say this, but like, how on earth are they, what, 15 points better off than us this season? Because mm. for me, it, clearly they're a side that play the percentages, aren't they? That they're, they're a very direct long ball side. They rely heavily on set pieces. A lot of long throws come into the box. A lot of, you know, free kicks and corners. Um and clearly, some sides just don't cope with it. And putting Paul Huntington there seems to be a, a masterstroke to, to sort of stop that, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I wasn't there on Tuesday, but I was there for the home home game. And yeah, I think they're not... They're, from what we've seen, they're, they're not a very good side. I mean, obviously, they've pulled off some very good results against mm. better teams than us this season. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think they, they like to sort of play the long throws and they like to... I mean, certainly from the game at Brunton Park, you could tell they wanted to really slow play down and frustrate people, which some teams that'll work against. But I think us, coming from League Two last season, we're kind of used to that a little bit, so it kind of worked in our favour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we sort of touched on it briefly there, um, Adam, but that pitch, it was an absolute disgrace, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, it was weird because like, one flank looked absolutely perfect, but the, flank, the left flank for us on, in the first half in front of the dugouts... I mean, poor Jack Diamond was made to look an absolute prat, wasn't he, at one point? He did this brilliant turn yeah. to go away down the left, and then he took about five steps, and you could just see the earth giving away underneath him, and he, and he just fell on his backside. And it, I, I do wonder with some of these things, you wonder, when a pitch ends up that bad, should the EFL be forcing them to do some sort of re-turfing or something to make it better? Because it, it's not it's not conducive to playing any sort of good football, is it? No, of course not. But I, I, how the... EFL would mandate, you know, pitch quality would be would be interesting to see. Mm. Um, I think if anything, it played into our favour. If we'd have played against a, a proper football inside on Tuesday night, maybe mm. we wouldn't have won. Um, and I think the in uh, reintegration of Paul Huntington into the starting eleven was an absolute no brainer. And they obviously did see from the footage they watched of, of Burton that they just like to get balls in the box and, you know, those throw-ins. So having someone like Huntington in there was going to be absolutely essential. Well, thank God he was brought in. Um, but, yeah, I think, if anything, even though it was horrendous and maybe wasn't conducive yeah. to a good game, it probably benefited us. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, the, the, the biggest indicator of it, isn't it, if you look at the past success for the game against Bristol Rovers, they had 74, we had 72. The past success for this game, both teams 58. You know, half the passes weren't even accurate, so I think that probably tells you a lot. I mean, on the, the zero the... point us trying to po- play football on that no, pitch. No, absolutely, absolutely. What I'd say is um, another advantage of having Paul Huntington in. It's something I sort of noticed watching the game, uh, Mike. Is that he's got this? He's got a real knack, hasn't he? When he picks that ball up in the centre, he can actually ping the ball out to the fullbacks quite well. Mm. He's got a decent long range passing. Him. You maybe don't get that as much with Lavelle, and that's a bonus of having him in that middle centre back rather than Lavelle there. For for Hunts as well, it's his decision making for me. Like he knows yeah. when to do them passes, and yeah. he knows when to just hoof it as well, which is critical. 
absolutely. He's, he's clever enough to do that, isn't he? Um, other talking points from this one, obviously, you mentioned Diamond. I think we're, we're finally getting to see the player that we expected there. Um, for me, when I was, I was looking at it in terms of players that were our top performance in this game, I actually picked out Ellis Mellish. I think that was actually seeing Mellish back at his best in you know getting forward and causing problems in attack and Diamond with the, the, the three I picked out. But I haven't put it in the running on it, but I'd, I'd give a shout out to Luke Armstrong as well, to be fair, Adam. I, I thought, not just in terms of attack, you can see the effort he puts in every game. He runs so much, but actually towards the end, defensively, he was excellent as well. He was coming back, he was winning tackles, he was winning headers, he was clearing the ball. You're really seeing a proper team player there, aren't you? He doesn't get the recognition for you know that type of performance because yeah. he hasn't found the back of the net but you know the way that he helped diamond in the game by you know getting yeah. into, into those high up position by holding up the ball and like you said coming back late on to help defend corners throw-ins free kicks whatever it was it's it, it's the type of player that you want in your team no matter what level you're mm-hmm. at no absolutely um in terms of the clean sheet, Mike, just good for the whole team, that isn't it? And it's good for Harry Lewis, though, because he has been under a bit of pressure. And, you know, he did make that mistake in the game against Cambridge. But he was. I think in terms of the way he distributed all of his feet, we're seeing why Simmers wanted to bring him in, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it as well is the understanding between the defence and the goalkeeper is building every game. Um uh, I think it must be different for them because mm. when Holy was in nets, he'd come out for most corners and crosses yeah. and things like that. And Lewis doesn't do that. And I'm not saying that it's a terrible thing he doesn't do that, but if the defence are aware that he's not doing that, and mm. you know, I think the issue early on was they were expecting him to do that and he wasn't doing it. So hopefully now they've got that little bit of an understanding um, and going forwards will be a lot better for it. Yep. Any other talking points from either of you from that game? Um, I don't. I don't think so. Um, mm. I would, Yeah, I think the general thing was we were the better of the two, not great mm. sides. Um, but it's the, those sort of results that can that can start a you know a decent run because it's just getting off the off the ground in terms yeah. of getting those points. You know, it's been so long since we picked up any points, let alone a win. So couldn't have cared less how we won yeah. even though it was a, a horrible watch it's three points yeah. exactly last 10 minutes were not fun to watch i think it's fair to say uh, i'll just run through the league one results from the weekend and from the midweek so at the weekend uh cambridge united lost their local derby against Peterborough united one nil not happy camp there because obviously neil harris has uh walked out on them to go to millwall neil harris has now managed in league two league one and the championship in the same season <laughs> and, and he on got stacks from the league two club first. Yeah. On an upward trajectory as well, which is which is insane when you think about it. Uh, Barnsley got a big two-one win over Derby County. Blackpool uh, they beat their uh, I suppose their Lancashire rivals, where Bolton were Lancashire once. Uh, Bolton four-one at home. Obviously, we lost two-one at Bristol Rovers. Burton lost their game at Northampton uh, home against Northampton two-nil. Uh, Charlton got a nil-nil draw at home against Portsmouth. Exeter drew one-one with Fleetwood. Uh, Oxford United suffered a bit of a surprise two-one home defeat to Leighton Orient, who were really flying. Um, Port Vale, five and a half year deal to Darren Moore. I mean, I'm not saying Darren Moore's a bad manager, but it's not looking a great move, that is it, at the moment, and maybe not a great I move mean, for him. Five and a half years at this level is. It's, there's it's got to be bold. a clause in there. There's got to be a clause in there that can yeah. get out fairly easily. But I mean, 
it's more it's not even so much for Port Vale I'm again more for him he must be thinking what have I let myself in for here because <laughs> I'm not sure there is a clause in there because I think for him to drop to Port Vale was quite I was quite surprised that they got him and I think don't, for him to go there there's got to be something in it for him there'll be some sort of like he gets a big chunk payout or something just to go after however long or something like that but anyway uh, Reading our opponents uh, the weekend they lost 3-2 at home against Shrewsbury a bit of a surprise one that one and Stevenage continue to push for the playoffs it's mad 1-0 win at home against uh, Wickham on the Friday night Wigan drew 1-1 with Cheltenham Town um, into the midweek fixtures uh, obviously we won 1-0 at Burton Derby suffered a second defeat in a row they're, they're sort of dropping a little bit but Charlton Athletic Nathan Jones already had a bit of an impact there, isn't he, Adam? I think it's fair to say. 2-1 win. Well, it's it's, it's taken them a while. I think the last mm. win before that was the 28th of November, if mm. I remember correctly, well. which explains their horrid league position, even considering the masses of talent that they've got yeah. in that team. Um, but they, they really shouldn't be in this position, so results yeah. like that on paper shouldn't be a shock if you just don't yeah. take into account league position but yeah. it's bad for Derby but Bolton as I'm sure we'll get onto they let them off the hook they did they did indeed um, Leighton Orient again like I said they're, they're really doing well 1-0 win at home against Blackpool Lincoln City they won 3-0 against Shrewsbury I think they're fairly safe this season Lincoln Shrewsbury not really out of it yet um, Port Vale threw away a 2-0 lead to draw 2-2 with Fleetwood. I think Fleetwood scored like in the, was it the 88th for the 93rd minute, something like that, to get the 2-2 draw there. So not a great result for Port Vale. Wickham won 2-0 at home against Cheltenham, who's sort of recent decent form, sort of dropped off a little bit. Stevenage, like I said, once again, won 1-0 against Cambridge. Actually, I was going to say, Mike, did you see at the end of this uh, game, uh, Stevenage against Cambridge, Cambridge were going on the counter-attack and I think like the 89th minute to try and get an equaliser. And one of the Cambridge fans threw a flare onto the pitch and the game had to be stopped. Jesus. Imagine being the idiot who'd done that. Like, uh, you know, you, you would not be allowed to let it down, would you? Mm. For years to come. Yeah. Not that they were probably going to score, but, you know, there you <laughs> go. And, yeah, as you hinted there, uh, Adam, uh, Wigan got a 1-0 victory over Bolton in their local derby, and they'll be very pleased with that one, I think it's fair to say. But that's Did just, you see done... the, the aftermath in this game, too? I saw it was the kick-off at the end a little so, bit. I didn't see so, Marshall, uh, Marshall Godo mm. uh, was celebrating and went over and celebrated in front of the travelling Bolton fans. <laughs> so then Bod Varson came over and t- to give him a bit of a, a piece of his mind. And then I think it was the Wigan captain basically stopped him and they start, started like having a go at each other. And then I think somebody else started having a go at Godo and then sort of on the other side of the box, some of the other Wigan and Bolton players got into it, which Ian Everett then got involved in and he was getting right in the uh, Wigan players' faces. And um, it was James McLean uh, put on his Instagram story afterwards, basically like taking the mick out of Ian Everett for, you know, thinking he was going to like scrap the, the Wigan players. So it wasn't a good look for, for him. No, no, it's a bit bit of a disappointing one that for Wigan. I think, sorry, Bolton, I think is that I think they've, uh, if I'm right, that's Wigan done the double over them this season as well. So Maybe. Well, Bolton have lost yeah. the last, like, including that, the last two as well as Derby. Mm. So the Portsmouth have, been loving this week yeah I mean they've really been let off the hook because they, they, they had that little drop off in form and now look actually they haven't lost in the last five including you know four, four wins in that time as well Derby it's lucky I mean Barnsley have put themselves back in contention to finish actually in the top two when you look at it they're yeah. on a real one mm. oh god we play them soon don't we I completely forgot that <laughs> 
great. That, that's something to look forward to. Um, but there, there you go. Uh, yep, that's all the results from the midweek and from the League One. So we're going to take a short break. After the break, I will be back and I'll be speaking to Alex from the Elm Park Royals podcast. We'll be looking ahead to this weekend's game. A few of the things we talked about, including the ongoing off-field crisis at the club. Uh, it's just doesn't stop there sadly for them how uh, Ruben Sellers has actually got on despite all those issues and uh, how much actually they're looking forward to their first trip to Brunton Park since 1982 been a hell of a long time before even I was born uh, anyway I'll take that short break and we'll be back with me talking to Alex Hi I'm John Halpin and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle so Yes we're now into part two of this week's Brunton Bugle and as usual part two is of course Behind Enemy Lines where we talk to one of the opposition fans from this weekend's game, uh, from an opposition podcast ahead of the match to basically get their view on their team and, and what's been going on with them. And it's probably fair to say that um, the guys we're talking to this week, a <laughs> lot, lot of stuff's happening with their club uh, of late. Uh, not a lot of it on the pitch, unfortunately. It's mostly off the pitch where the, uh, the issues have been. Uh, we're speaking to Alex from the Elm Park Royals podcast. Alex, how are you doing, mate? Uh, I was doing okay earlier in the week and... Yeah, we're kind of in the middle of the week now and Reading have had points deducted and we're now only three points clear of the relegation zone instead of the five that we were. So I'm not as good as I was at the start of the week, I'll be honest. Yeah, it, kind of, it seems like an ongoing thing, doesn't it? This whole points deduction thing for this season. We'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, before we get going, just just tell us a little bit first about your, your podcast and you know how it came about and how long you've been doing it, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so the podcast has been going for seven years eight mm. years at this point i think it started in about 2016 um just as we were coming towards the end of the season in the championship when we finished in the playoffs under Yapstam, uh we obviously lost in the final that year since then we've been going pretty much every game with some kind of review show um i think we're up to about 500 episodes or something at this point wow. it's it's kind of um ridiculous how much how much time you know we've sunk into recording over the years um we yeah become a big part of the the kind of the campaign group in terms of the ownership change which we're pushing for um and yeah there's a group of kind of four or five uh five of us who kind of do the main majority of the shows and then uh yeah we've got guests who come in every other every other couple of shows and things like that so yeah it's um it's a good release, I will say, given how bad the football has been on the field for the past five or six years. Well, on that point, um, unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about that now. So, I mean, actually, currently, you do find yourselves, you know, out of the relegation zone, thanks to actually what's been quite a decent run of form, especially since the turn of the year. I was looking at this. Only three defeats in the last 11 since, I think, New Year's Day or something like that in the league. And quite a few wins thrown in there as well. I know you, you lost last time out against Shrewsbury, which will be a frustrating result, I guess. Um, yet that feeling of turmoil around the club just hasn't been able to disappear, has it? You haven't been able to shake it off, and you know things are a bit funny around about the time we played you. But I think I can't remember since then you had the, the call off against Port Vale. Was that after then? And you know, there's all been all kinds of other stuff. Um, I know it's going to be very tough to briefly summarise this, but take as long as you need. Explain what's actually happened in the last few months since we last spoke. Yeah, so when we last spoke, we were, I think we were just outside the, or just inside the relegation zone yes, when we last yeah, spoke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and since then, we've actually gone on a 
on the field at least we've actually gone on a really good run of form mm-hmm. um it was the game before we played year it was our first away win for just over a year we won at wickham 2-1 yeah. um followed it up by beating beating yourselves a few days after that and then i think since then as you say we've lost i think we've lost four games in total since then um two at home and two away and we've actually looked quite solid on the field mm. um you know we've picked up results at kind of we beat Stevenage away. We beat Derby at home. We came back from behind against Peterborough twice. Uh, we came from two 0 down against Cheltenham away from home. We've we've been picking up points at a you know a decent clip for for a few months now. I think someone uh, pointed out a couple of weeks ago that if the season had kind of started back then, just before we played you, we'd be somewhere. I think we'd be about seventh in the table or something. Mm. Uh, you know, disregarding the points deductions and things like that. So. On the field, I'll be honest, the squad are actually doing a ridiculously, you know, good job um, in the last couple of months, given the situation and the circumstances. Uh, the, the obvious issue is that off the field, we don't really have any control over what's going on. Um, and no one really knows when, you know, if we do pick up a three point seeing a win, no one really knows if it's going to still remain the week yeah. after or the month after because of the EFL deciding to take off more points against us. So it's, um, we kind of just have to keep picking up as many points as we can before the end of the season in the hope that we don't lose enough points that we end up in the relegation zone anyway. It, it, it It's a mad one, isn't it? Because I can sort, it's frustrating because the EFL have to have some sort of regulations placed to make sure these things, you know, clubs don't take the mickey with this sort of stuff. But, you guys have clearly got an owner who just doesn't care and he doesn't care about the club. He doesn't care about the fans and he's the one who's doing it and they, you know, they can fine him all they want, but he's not going to pay those fines, is he? And, you know, and you look at in terms of the points, he doesn't seem to really be bothered by the fact that you haven't points deducted because he's not paying HMRC and all that kind of thing. So how, how frustrating is it that the, that you've got that owner there who's clearly using it as a plaything and doesn't really care and you can't really have as much of an impact on terms of trying to get rid of him. Yeah, um, the, the uh, trying to get rid of him is a you know a huge ongoing task. It's not something which is particularly easy, and realistically, anything that the fans can and try to do is only going to have limited impact because mm. ultimately he's the person who can decide when he sells. Like no for, yeah. no fan or fan group can you know force somebody to sell a club, however much you you know want to. Um, you can try and put pressure on them, which is what we're trying to do. But if he doesn't sell, he doesn't sell. There's nothing you can really do about it, ultimately. Um, so it's an extremely frustrating situation for, for Reading fans because there's, there's no real control and there's no real kind of uh, light at the end of the tunnel necessarily no. um, because we don't know who's going to take over the club, if the club's going to get taken over. Realistically, you know, you could ask 100 Reading fans and I think, it would be a very even split as to whether they would think we will be playing football next season or not at the minute. Um, because it's difficult to say that we will be, I think, uh, because without a new ownership, it's tough to see the club being able to sign players in summer, be able to fulfill fixtures next season, etc. And I just, it would be one of those situations, a bit like Berry, where if we don't get taken over, it's, I just don't see there's going to be a way around us doing anything except being expelled from the league. And the EFL are obviously 
in a position where they have to deal with Reading being in a situation like this where, you know, they have to be mm. seen to be fair to other teams, but at the same yeah. time try to help in some way. I'll be honest, again, I don't really think that they're actually helping the situation particularly yeah. anymore. Um, it, you know, people might disagree, um, but realistically being fined for not paying tax, which we can't literally cannot afford to pay. Yeah. It isn't a sporting advantage as much as the EFL have, you know, discussed the fact that it gives us a potential sporting advantage. Currently it just doesn't. We've been under an embargo for five years. We haven't signed a player. Every player that we have signed has to be signed off by them. Um, There isn't enough money in the club and the club basically relies on, you know, Die Young to fund, fund the kind of the shortfall. And having points deducted ultimately makes the club less attractive to purchase for somebody. Um, And the, you know, the ultimate goal for the EFL clearly at this point, they don't want him to be in charge, but the ultimate goal is to remove him from the EFL. Mm -hmm. They're not really necessarily helping the situation anymore. So yeah, the EFL are frustrating in one sense. Um, is frustrating in another sense. It's just a kind of very helpless situation for, for Reading fans at this point, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about on the pitch a little bit then. Um, so how happy are you with the job that uh, Ruben Sellers has done in such difficult circumstances? Because, I mean, like, like you said, you, you look at your squad, it, it's, you know, it's quite young and inexperienced squad in places. And obviously you mentioned the transfer embargoes. has been a bit of a, a nightmare for the last few years for you. But if you were to add those six points back on that you've had taken off, you'd be above Wickham into 14th place. You know, it'd be two points behind Wigan. And a lot of people, you know, said, you know, such a good team this season have done so well. It, 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 it kind of goes to show, doesn't it? You know, that it's, if if those sort of restrictions were in place, you'd actually be in a, in a fairly solid place right now. Yeah. I, the first 15 games under Sellers was a struggle. And I think mm-hmm. we got to the end of October roughly, and there was definitely a lot of, calls to to remove sellers because of the fact that we were throwing away games um left right and center i think we've lost probably four or five games in the last minute this season um we've given away another probably four or five you know wins which have been converted into draws in the last minute um and a lot of that early season kind of pessimism and and despair around Ruben Sellers and his performance, I think comes from the fact that obviously he had no real pre-season with this squad. So we basically spent the first two or three months of the season trying to understand what, you know, what our best system was, what who, what our best 11 was. And we spent the first uh, probably 10 games playing this four triple two formation where we played with two kind of pivot midfielders and two winners yeah. and then two strikers. And, we didn't have our best players available at that point. Sam Smith, who signed yeah. in summer, was was injured up until the end of October. Uh, Lewis Wing was injured until you know mid October as well. And then we got to November and we we changed formation and we've kind of gone to a a four one four one or kind of a four two four two three one system, um, which has made us look much much more solid, especially at the back. We've, we've improved a, yeah. a lot at the back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the turnaround has been ridiculously impressive, I'll be honest, given the situation. Um, 
And I think he's won a lot of Reading fans round. He's not won everyone round. Um, and I think, you know, if it was a normal situation, he probably wouldn't have kept his job. However, you know, we're not in a normal situation ultimately. Yeah. And I think he's done a, a pretty good job um, from my eyes, as you say, we'd be in 14th place, which I think is fine. I, most Reading mm-hmm. fans would have been very happy with a mid-table finish this season, given, you know, we've, we finished in the bottom five, I think, in the championship five of the last seven years or something like that. It was it was coming that we were going to get relegated. And actually, a season of mid-table wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world for the club in it by any means. And I think most fans mm-hmm. kind of would have accepted it. Um, so, yeah, if, if, you know, without the points deductions, if we'd been in 14th place, I would have been very, you know, not delighted, but like, I would have been yeah. absolutely fine of it. So I think he's doing a good job, all circumstances considered. Um, and if he keeps us up, I, I'd be disappointed if he wasn't here next season. Yeah. January transfer window, a bit of a tough one for you guys because you did lose a few players, didn't you? Um, and you've sort of you know, I've seen you bring a couple in maybe. I think one of them was a player come back on loan, was it? He'd sold out possibly. I, I remember right. Yes, um, we, we sold players kind of left right and center to be able to fund the club in january um mm-hmm. the the club had basically said in december that they wouldn't do this they wouldn't sell players to be able to fund the club and it would be you know the squad would be kept together as best it could but um we sold our our team captain not club captain we sold our team captain nelson abbey to olympiacos uh, which is not yeah. you know he's going to end up going to nottingham forest presumably in summer um we sold Tom Holmes, who and Holmes and Abby had been our kind of centre back pairing um, yeah. up until January. We sold both of them in January. Uh, Tom Holmes got sold to Luton. He has come back on loan, but he got injured pretty much as soon as he came back on loan. Actually, he got injured yeah. and he hasn't played since mid January. Now I think he's still out, um, probably for another couple of weeks, so he won't be playing this weekend. Uh, we sold a number of kind of younger players as well um, from the academy. And we sold a couple of kind of bit part players who haven't really played in the squad this season um, or, and basically just haven't really made the grade under even sellers necessarily, uh, despite being, you know, around the squad. So we, we didn't sell a huge number of first team players, although there was a lot of links with teams. But um, I think it, it really kind of like put a big strain on the, on the fans and hence, you know, the Port Vale kind of abandonment because we yeah. ended up selling two players. And I think we ended up selling Tom McIntyre to Portsmouth for £75,000. Uh, realistically, he he is out of contract in summer and he's probably not worth, you know, he's not worth millions or anything, but he's certainly worth more That's than £75,000 that we sold him for. Um, and it, it essentially became a bit of a fire sale. We got... Obviously, like I said, Tom Holmes back on loan um, from Luton for the rest of the season. We signed an, an Arsenal young strong deadline day from uh, on loan. Who's I think he's only made one appearance so far, and we yeah. can see in the last minute when he came on. So that was a bit of a rocky start for him. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a great January transfer window, um, but it could have been worse, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it results-wise, it hasn't really affected you that much, to be fair. So it's it's not necessarily been a bad thing in that in that sense. Yeah, I mean, the the, the strange thing is, of course, is that because we sold our two centre backs who had been playing, we ended up with Tom Holmes and Tyler Binden, who's been a revelation really at centre back. To be mm-hmm. honest, um, 
playing. And then Tom Holmes got injured and we've we've resorted to playing in Bengue, who's really never been played at centre back for Reading before. Um typically he's yeah. been kind of a backup winger, a backup right back uh for Reading. And he's been thrown in at centre-back. And actually, for the past month or so, we've looked relatively solid in most games with with Mbengue and Binden at centre-back. And I think they've got a combined age of like 39 or 40 or something. It's incredibly young between them. Um, But we've looked pretty solid with those two at the back. And it hasn't hugely affected results, despite the fact we've sold off some of those players. Who are the danger men to watch out for this, this weekend then? Uh, so going forwards, we we do have a lot of kind of firepower. I'll be honest. Um, we any of the front players are you know going to be a, a worry. I think for for Carlisle, Harvey Nibs has had a really good season. He does have games where he's on and off, and if he's having an off game, he you just won't notice him. He he'll play um, in the centre behind Sam Smith. Um, Sam Smith's you know. Done really well this season for us. He again is is similar to Harvey Nibs in the sense of he will go on and off, and he he goes through streaks of goal scoring. I think he's on seven now for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he did score last weekend against Rosby, but that was his first goal since uh, Boxing Day, so he, it had been a while. Um, Femi Aziz on the right hand side has been a big improvement this year over what he'd been offering previously. Um, he's really kind of stepped up this year. Uh, Plymouth were interested in him in, in January, but he stayed at Reading. Um, mm-hmm. we've, he's got a kind of a lethal shot from outside the area at this point. It kind of diff depends on the day as to how effective that shot is, but he does have a, you know, if he hits it right, he's got a decent decent shot um, on him. Is he um, the one who scored he, from long range against us? I can't remember. Someone scored uh, No, I think he scored. He didn't score from long range against you. He scored, I think it was the fifth goal against right. you. Um, it right. was Lewis yes, Wing who scored long range against yes. you. Yes, you're right, you're right, yes, yes. And right. Lewis Wing is probably, I, I mean, I haven't, you know, seen every central midfielder in the division, but I think he's probably got to be up there in terms of, you know, attacking, in terms of attacking central midfielders and creative central midfielders, he's got to be up there in the top three or four in the, in the mm-hmm. division. He's, you know, a class above, really. Um his shooting ability is is ridiculously good, and he could pretty much have a goal of the season competition on his own this year. Uh, he scored so many good goals, as you say, the goal against yourselves back in November. He scored one against Fleetwood a couple of weeks ago. His goal yeah. against um, who would it have been? His goal against Port Vale recently was really impressive as well. He's he's basically just got an incredibly accurate strike from outside mm. the area. Um and if you give him too much time he will he will shoot. And it, it, I would say he's probably our most dangerous player, Lewis Wing. If if he if he has a good game, Reading turn up, we will you know, we will create chances. Um it's just a matter of whether we give up chances at the back as well and how well our kind of back line plays. Yeah. Um, you've been very generous to your time, Alex. Thank you very much. So before you go, though, uh, what's your prediction for this weekend's game? I have to predict a Reading win. I just, I, I can't, I can't face giving a 600 and whatever it is, 650 mile round trip and seeing us lose. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Reading and uh, just fingers crossed that some of those other teams around us lose this weekend. 
Yep. Uh, Alex, thanks very much for your time. Before we go, just remind everyone where we can find your pod again. Uh, it's Elm Park Royals. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all, all the different social medias, etc. And we'll have a review of the game against yourselves after the weekend. Great stuff. Alex, thanks for your time. All the best for the rest of the season after this weekend and really hope that all the off-the-pitch stuff gets sorted before the end of the season as well because the, the last thing you want is another summer of going through all that and wondering what on earth is going to happen with your football club. It's, it's not a nice place to be. We know that from that about 20 years ago we had that issue as well. So, yeah, we know exactly how that can feel. Nice one. Cheers, Lee. Thank you very much. Cheers. No problem at all. Uh, we'll be back just after this break and uh, myself and the rest of the guys will be looking ahead to the game this weekend. Hi, it's uh, Tom Piatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. And we're back into part three of this week's Brunton Bugle. Thanks once again to Alex from the Elm Park Royals for speaking to us ahead of the big game this weekend. Me and Mike are hoping to catch up with him for a pint this week, aren't we? He's an old friend of yours, I seem to remember you saying. Yeah, yeah, that'll be very good. Um, right, let's look ahead to this weekend's game then, guys. Um, Reading, I mean, I think... A weird one, Reading, Adam, Adam aren't they? Because we, we sort of looked at the start of the season, we were kind of like, there's a bit of ability in that squad, but they're such a mess off the field, surely they're going to really struggle. But actually, all things considered, they've done fairly well, especially since the turn of the year. Their form's been quite remarkable since they beat us, in fact, 5-1. They've barely, well, they've only lost like a handful of games, haven't they? Well, it's a it was a squad that you looked at at the start of the season and just because of the financial problems, it was quite an inexperienced team. Mm. And with a manager who hadn't managed at this level before, you weren't really sure what's going to happen. And the points deductions and all the off-field stuff, which is still continuing now, um, they've done very well, to be fair to them, to keep themselves sort of out of it. But now they've been dragged back into it a little bit by this most recent points deduction. Yeah, it's kind of... It just feels like every time for them that that they're getting away from trouble one of these points deductions suddenly dropped in there and they're like, oh, come on. We, we, we look like we're getting ourselves towards safety and now we're back, we're back dragged back into it. Because if, if you gave those six points back to them, they'd only be, I think, a couple of points behind Wigan in the table. Um, yeah, um, it's it's crazy, isn't it? And them points deductions have really... I, th- I, th- I think it probably takes its toll on you mentally as well because mm. it's like three steps forward, two steps back a lot of the time for them. Um, but yeah, the Either way, they're, they're right in it with us, and this should be one of the home games that we're looking to win. Yeah, I, Adam, when we look at the January transfer window, we talk about how teams are affected by it. Reading were really not able to strengthen and actually considerably weakened in defence. They lost Tom Holmes to Luton Town. They got over a million pounds back from him. He's been loaned back, but he's been injured. I think after one game, he got injured again. Tom McIntyre, they had to sell for peanuts for 75k to Portsmouth because he was out of contract in the summer. And Nelson Abbey has gone to Olympiacos, albeit we think he's probably going to end up at Nottingham Forest eventually uh, for an undisclosed fee as well. I mean, to lose a big chunk of your defence and then still actually still be performing probably shows what a good job Ruben Sellers has done there. And he should sort of be expected to be doing a good job because, you know, he was only managing the Premier League last season. Mm. You know, it, it was almost a, an odd thing to see him dropping right down yeah. to the bottom of League One pretty much from a, a Premier League side. But he's a very good coach and like you said, he's done a very good job with the limited resources that he's been given. I mean, they've just been asset stripped basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even the working conditions they're having to, you know, uh, 
play under. You know, they're not allowed to. Well, this might not be the case anymore, but they weren't allowed to um, stay overnight after games to mm. cut costs. Players were having to eat microwave meals. Um, they weren't allowed heating on at the training ground, were yeah. they? I think. Something yeah, they like weren't that. allowed heating. Um, so they've done very well considering they've been handed an absolute stinker of a situation to work with. Yeah. Who are the players that stand out for you in their squad, Mike? Um, I mean, Sam Smith, obviously. Uh, yeah. I was disappointed that... Because we were apparently linked with him in the summer. Um, yeah, I was disappointed that he didn't wind up here because he scored, what, 17 goals last season for Cambridge in a struggling team? Mm, um, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, who else have they got? Uh, I mean, I'm not even going to say the name of that one-third from bottom for them. Uh, you can do that, <laughs> Lee. Um, no, you can forget it. Kelvin Ahib Tim Han or something. Um, we we yeah. should apologise if any of his family happen to be listening. <laughs> we just haven't had time to look up how to say uh, it. Yeah, um, Harvey Nibs as well. Um, decent yeah. player. Um, yeah, yeah. They've certainly got a few that can cause us a few problems. I mean, Lewis Wing has always stood out to me as a good player at this level. Adam, you know, he played for a long time at Wickham, and you know, he's got uh, Charlie Savage in there as well, ex-Man United, obviously son of uh, Robbie. Um, well, everyone's a bit surprised they got him in summer because he only made his Man United debut towards the end of last season, didn't he? But yeah, th- th- there's players in there that can cause us problems, definitely. Yeah, well, um, Lewis Wing was one of the names that I was going to mention, and it wasn't too surprising for me the, the Savage move just because he was with um, Forrest Green last season who obviously were yeah. right down the bottom of, of League One but he seemed to be a little bit above their level when he was when he was there so it mm-hmm. wasn't too uh, too much of a surprise but the fact that he's there permanently maybe was the uh, mm-hmm. the expected part of the, the deal but yeah. yeah it's you look through the squad and there's not a lot of experienced operators at this level Um which, again, is testament to the job that Ruben Salas has done. I mean, Harley Dean seems an obvious one. I'm not sure how much he's actually played for them this season, to be fair. Um, I know that there's been a few issues with David Button recently, I think, in the game against Shrewsbury. He, he maybe let a couple in that he probably could have done better with for them. Um, yeah, in, in terms of sort of looking at other things, uh, let's look at some of the sort of stats and that sort of stuff. Um, head-to-head, uh, it's only the 12th meeting between the two sides. I haven't played them very often. Uh, we've won two drawn four and lost five. We've only lost four of our last fixtures against them. Three of those fixtures came in the early 1980s. So it's a stretch to use that as a stat, I think it's fair to say. It's not going to stop me. Um, yeah, in terms of sort of recent form, they're, like I said, their recent form's pretty good. They're seventh in the last six games form table, record of 1-1 one, one drawn, lost one lost. We are now sitting in 23rd. We're off the bottom, finally, with a record of loss, 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 one. There we go. <laughs> Don't get me no excited, that one. Um, yeah, so that, that's those sort of bits. Uh, referee for this one, Martin Coy from County Durham. Uh, it's his seventh season as an EFL referee, taking charge of 18 games so far this season, handing out 82 yellows and three red cards. Last season, uh, he handed out 47 yellows and three red cards in just 17 games. Uh, and the last United game he took charge of was a 2-0 defeat to Derby County earlier this season where Sam Lavelle was booked for the Blues that day. Right, uh, let's talk about United then. Um, what, what are we thinking with this one then, Adam? Are you thinking... My thoughts are, I think we need to be sticking with this 5-3-2, 3 5 whatever you want to call it, for the rest of the season. Just stick with it. 
try and get a bit of confidence and form into the team. Pretty much picked the 11 that played on Tuesday night against Burton for the rest of the season as long as they're fit and just drop players in and out as players are not quite fit and that kind of thing. That, that's what I'd be looking to do. Maybe changing the, the wing-backs up a little bit just to keep them fresh. Yeah, injuries withstanding, I'd probably agree with you just because it's probably the most rigid formation and setup we've got but also allow us for a bit of uh, creativity in in the forward areas yeah i i don't think we can get away with playing two wingers either side of armstrong this season i just don't think our midfield and defense is is strong enough to have because well diamond especially isn't a passenger but gibson is more so uh, defensively um but I just don't think you can afford to have that many people high yeah. up the pitch and risk getting counter-attacks on, especially when we score to struggle to score goals anyway and we're a bit leaky. So, yeah, I would agree with you. That formation that we played against Burton, the general lineup is what I would stick with at least for now, but probably yeah. till the end of the season. The only one I'd maybe look at is maybe Finn back in for Jack Ellis, possibly. I mean, I'd be harsh on Jack, but I just think Finn's got a little bit more quality going forward. That's That's the only real difference I think in terms of that Mike what would you do yeah well it's interesting you say about back and Alice because we talked about back been sort of rested and managed uh, on Tuesday night but uh, I think Alice needs a bit of management as well because yeah. of his injury problems so I think it would probably work out well for them both if back was to come in for Ellis um, but other than that I'd probably keep exactly the same team yeah, I think having Charters in there is a big thing as well, as we mentioned in the in the review section, the fact that his set pieces make a big difference to the team, don't they, in terms of the, the quality of getting the ball into the box, because that's something we miss. And actually, that's something we miss with having Paul Huntington in the team. Although he's not scored that many goals for us, he does offer a bit of a threat, doesn't he, Adam, yeah, in terms of getting on the end of stuff? He's just a bit of physicality yeah. that mm. we don't have when he's not there. Like, I'm pretty sure he's the tallest of of our defenders mm-hmm. and even though he's maybe not as physically strong as a as a Lavelle, he's got the the height to be able to get on onto things. Um I think with Charters too, he's a, he can be a bit sort of rough around the edges when he's on the ball, but if he's picking out a pass or picking out crosses and and, and corners, yeah. that's the, the, the quality we don't really have in our midfield at the moment. He's probably the only midfielder, actual midfielder, mm-hmm. who is or has that ability to yeah. put in those types of deliveries, because I don't really think Neil or Vela are that type of player. You, you pointed by him on the board's a really good one, and someone made this point to me, actually, saying that if you watch back with him, it's amazing how many times his first touch is a bit loose, and it gives the opposition a chance to get the ball. It's something he does need to work on a little bit, if, if, if there's anything in his game that he could do for improvement. He can get that first touch better, he could be a real quality player for us, I think. Didn't that lead to the the second Bristol goal, if I remember correctly? I feel like a loose touch... Gave them yeah, possession. Yeah, I think maybe, possibly. Yeah, but it's just something one of my mates noticed. And I watched a little bit of the highlights back. I was like, actually, yeah, it's a fair point that something you could really do with working with. So we're generally in agreement. Same eleven as long as they're fit. And I think Simo's pulling. And I don't think Simo's going to do anything daft after a win like that. I think he's going to be like, yep, yeah, as long as it's worked, it's worked. Let's, let's mm-hmm. stick with it. And uh, yeah, and in terms of the bench, you know, it, not a huge amount of change there. You'd maybe bring a manual in. Maybe is the Fullback option, possibly. If he, unless he obviously he's going to bring back back in instead, I don't know. It's it, it's just the defensive ones that you got to tweak with there, isn't it? Really, because your midfield ones pick themselves. <laughs> we haven't really got many other options, have we? In terms yeah. of that sort of stuff. Do you think? I think Jordan Gibson's not going to get much game time between now and the end of the season. 
I just don't see, I don't see it because of diamonds emerging. Mm. I mean, we knew about his quality anyway, but it's coming to the to the fore now, and his partnership with with Luke Armstrong and the way that we're probably going to set up. I I don't really I, see a role for him. For this I, I think he could maybe in some games he could come on for charters and be that sort of third. And if we're especially for pushing forward in games, he could be that player who's basically playing as the extra. You know the the midfield that pushes forward behind behind the front mm. two. I don't I don't think he's going to start as many now for a bit. I think he, yeah, he might have a little was, bit of time at eleven. Yeah, that was my. I don't think he's going to be in the starting lineup much. No. And it also could be a, a case of Simpson thinking ahead to the summer, thinking right, who am I going to realistically offer a, a deal to, and mm. prioritizing the players that he expects to be here longer yeah. term. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, like like I said before, I was sort of thinking of the kind of players that Simo signed last time he was here, and. You know, I'm a fan of Gibson, but I don't think he's a Simo player, and I think it's it's probably best for him as well. That you know, yeah. there'll be a manager out there that can get the best out of Jordan Gibson, but I don't think Simo's it. But I think Simo's the kind of manager that'll get the best out of a Josh Feller, you know, for example. And I think, yeah, this is almost, you know, I mean, I hate to get drawn into it, but we're pretty much down, aren't we? But this can be a bit of a pre pre season well, for us. Well, could they? You well, know, we threw, we threw the question. Obviously, obviously they won't. Oh, like, obviously they won't. That. Well, you but, say but you know they? we win these two games. You know, we're seven points adrift with a game in hand. No, you know, win no, that. It's four no, points be, adrift. Can be, be done. Hey, we're get, we we're going to get accused of being the happy happy clubbers no, podcast. No, here. Let's be careful. Oh, realistically, we can't. But yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, you know, no. But but like like I say, I think this is an opportunity to sort of build what we want to do next season mm. really these next three games are quite big aren't they when you look at it I mean Barnsley's going to be a tough one it's a Tuesday night hopefully they'll bring a decent following if we can get a good result uh, in the next two you, you know you'd, you'd, you'd be hopefully going to be a bit of confidence but obviously you mentioned a lot of Charlton and Shrewsbury there too we're looking at thinking right surely maybe we can target a few points out of those maybe four points possibly get a draw at Charlton and a win at Shrewsbury maybe I don't know I think um, just win them all Simple as well, yeah. If, if we can, but, but realistically, better perform, better solid performances where we're not lo- getting out totally outplayed. Yeah. Where, where we're looking like a team that's the key thing for me. Because once you once you get those three out of the way, you've got Stephen who's pre to an, an informed Lincoln side. It, it that's a tough run, it is a really tough mm. run. So, yeah, I think that's that Charlton game is maybe a bit more winnable than it maybe seems mm. just because of the, the poor form they've had this season. If we can stifle them early and get, because it's a, yeah. a massive, cr- uh, not crowd, a massive ground, ground. Yeah. the mm. the valley. So uh, if you can sort of get tensions up in there and a bit of unrest in in the crowd, that could be well, a game that we could just nick. I'd be interested interest to see how many we take for this one because obviously our fans tend to like a good London trip, and the, the trains at the moment, Touchwood, are okay for it. Um, I've I've seen a few people saying, "Oh, they're they're probably not going to do it now because the falls being bad or whatever and stuff like that." But, you know, get a win on Saturday. Suddenly a few people might like, oh, you know what? I quite fancy doing that trip now. And you, you never know, a big following. It could really, really be something for that game, couldn't it? I um, did see someone after Saturday, uh, I think, yeah. selling their train tickets for Charlton on uh, Facebook. Selling I think it was. train tickets. Yeah. There you go. But it's uh, one of them, because of having to buy your train tickets in advance. We all booked our train tickets for it when we thought we were staying up. <laughs> well, I don't think we ever thought we were staying up. I think we just bought them because they were cheap at that point. But there you go. Um, right, let's see some predictions for this one then, guys. Uh, Adam, you can go first. Oof. Um, 
I feel like this could be a very yo-yo game at times, just because mm-hmm. of the the type of players they have. I feel like they'll try and go in behind, especially if we try and press them early. I feel like they'll try and go over the top of us. Uh, I am gonna go with a two-one win for mm-hmm. Carlisle with goals from Jack Diamond and Josh Vella. Okay, Josh Vella's goal-scoring machine still. Mike, what are you going for? I'm going to go for a 3-2 thriller with goals from Armstrong, Charters and Lavelle. Really annoyed with that because I was going to go for 3-2 as well. You're absolutely swine. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm going to go 3-1. I'm going to have a bit more confidence in the defence. 3-1 uh, win, goals from Armstrong, Diamond and... Uh, Big John. Go on, Big John's going to get one. There you go, that's what I'm going to go for. Right, here's Dan's prediction for this game. Back to winning ways at Burton. Let's follow it up with a comprehensive 3-1 win against Reading and goals from Armstrong, Diamond and John Mellish. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> he picked exactly the same as me. Absolutely. I, I genuinely did not listen to his thing for it, but I never do. I always just put them straight in. Ah, that's really annoying me because I was almost really about building the suspense there. It was a, a yeah. lengthy but, gaps between the words. I, I like yeah, it, Dan. Ah, bit, of, bit of tension there, bit of tension. Right, uh, let's wrap things up then and do the X-Files. It's not quite as busy as some of the previous weeks, but some interesting bits in there. Uh, first, let's start with uh, the goals and sort of other things from last weekend. Only three to pick out. Dan did originally put Angelo Belanter in here, but I went and double-checked, and I think his goal was changed to an own goal in the end, so his isn't included. In case Dan's listening, like, thinking, why did he not put Angelo Belanter in? That's why. Um, well, let's start at the very top. Big Jared Branthwaite. He scored again for Everton in their 1-1 draw at Brighton. I mean, oh, get him on that plane, Gareth. Go yeah. on. Get him on. The- He's got to be... I mean, surely Adam is going to be playing in these friendlies come... The next well, I say next month. Tomorrow is next month, isn't it? Come March. I bloody hope so, but also at the same time, my personal pride really hopes it's not because I <laughs> used to play against him when I was a kid, and the fact that he might be going on the plane of England is demoralising to say the least. No, but you can um, say that playing against you sort of moulded him into the player that yeah. he is today. And Mike, Mike still take I appreciate it, Mike. <laughs> Mike is still taking credit for Liam McCarran's coaching when he was like what. Six years old or something like that. So you yeah, know, but on. McCarran played against Branthwaite and trained every day, and that made Branthwaite oh, the player he is. So indirectly, I made Branthwaite the player he is what today. A stretch. What a stretch. <laughs> Did you right. assume you both saw the goal? The, the oh, scored. yeah, it's good. We should we, strike. We should go. Yeah, we should comment. <laughs> like for a big centre back, great first touch, and then bang, curls it into the top corner. It's a brilliant bit of play, and he got a lot of praise on match of the day as well. And they keep. I mean, look. He had a little feature on Football Focus, I think, on the Saturday as well. So we had one on um, Monday Night Football uh, when they, I think, yeah. when they played Palace as well. Um, yeah. I mean, anybody who does fancy football, get him in your fancy team because he's only like four he's, million. And he's he's been, been in my absolutely smashing it. Been in my um, team all season. So yeah, I think I, I'm pro- could probably say the same. But going back to your point about should he be going on the plane? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of other left-footed centre backs who I were. Think, just other centre-backs in general, I to think, be honest. Well, well Ty- Tyrone Mings too. is injured. Tyrone Mings is injured, so he's not going to go. Levi Colwell was... Still take him. Le- Levi Colwell was probably a contender for it, but he's not. He's, his form's dropped off massively. I think he'll still... I think he'll, well, to be fair, Southgate's very reluctant to 
actually pick and consistently pick new players unless he absolutely how uh, has but, to. But I, I just I just feel he's going to look at Branford and think big strong lad can play across the back four left footed centre back likes a header. But like ball player likes it likes a header. I just think he's. I just. I just at the moment. I just like, can't see how he won't get in that squad. I just. I just really, really can't. But there you go. I just hope there's a clause included in our deal with. Oh, hun- there hundred percent will be a clause. I was going to say England. there should I'm be. If, so if sure it's not, be. words so, will be has. It'd be lovely to get another wedge of money from them for that. Um, like other, the other two goal scores that weekend, Jordan Cook, a rare goal from the other Cook. He scored for Blythe Spartans in their 2-2 draw with Boston United. And David Simonton continues his fight to be the Northern Premier League, Premier Division top goal scorer this season. He scored again for Workington as they beat Matlock Town 2-1. A little bit more on Workington in just a minute. Uh, into midweek, James Tavernier and Tom Lawrence both scored for Rangers in their 2-1 win at Kilmarnock. And then a couple of braces. Ozzy Zanzala scored twice for Newport as they beat Harrogate 4-1 away from home. I mean, he's not scored too many for them, has he, Zanzala, Mike? He's, he's, he's sort mm. of went there with a big... Sort of, he just seems to jump club to club and can't find his feet wherever he goes, can he? He's a strange, strange one. Yeah, he's a bit he? of an enigma, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, someone who's not an enigma, someone who's an absolute legend, Joe Garner, he's really settled into life at Eldon Athletic, hasn't he, Adam? Another brace for him, scoring at Oldham's 2-1 win at Eastleigh in midweek. He's just, it's yeah, just it's, nice to see, isn't it? Yeah, and he's... he's He's too good of a striker in terms of obviously his physical attributes are diminishing, yeah. but in terms of know how and you know just the the smarts of the game, he's too good for that level. And yeah. it really doesn't surprise me that he's yeah. started as well as he has. Yeah, uh, into the other bits first. I'm going to do the second one first because it's uh, Danny Devine. A bit sad news. Uh, he's he broke his leg. I think he a clean break on his tibula or something on Twitter from when he's playing the games with Trinity. So yeah, wish him all the best in his recovery from that because especially as a non-league player, it's not much nice, is it, really, to yeah. to break your leg like that. Um, but the one big bit of news that broke suddenly the other night, uh, early in the week, um, Danny Granger has announced that he will be standing down as Workington boss at the end of the current season. Speculation. It's already started, uh, Adam, on this one, hasn't it? As to where he's going next. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, some yeah. talk that potentially he could end up at United in some sort of role in the academy. Possibly. He, he he has come out and said, hasn't he, that he has nothing lined up. He just thinks it's the best time to get out. But he's the kind of person you'd want involved with the club, isn't he? Of course, yeah. His association with the club is is a key part of that, and would be a key part of it if they do mm-hmm. try and try and bring him in. Um, I can't remember if this was in the exact statement he put out, or, but I feel yeah. like I remember seeing something of him saying that you know he's he's looking to like new things to do rather than he feels that you know he's done he's done what he can with Workington maybe yeah. and that time, it's time for a bit of a change, which maybe would hint at a bit of a, a change in in roles or, or levels. Yeah, I'd be amazed um, if it was just sort of a case of of taking time off. It could yeah. well be, but I, I wouldn't be like him. I don't think that's in his character to be like, oh, right in the middle of my sort of early coaching career, I'm just going to take a bit of time off. Yeah, I mean, he's working inside has a reputation of playing good football as well at that level, don't they, I think? And I, I, I just feel, Mike, that, yeah, we need to be looking and getting former players integrated into, into the club. A lot, a lot of other clubs are really good at doing that. Crew are quite good at doing that, actually, especially players mm. who don't quite make it. They often get them involved coaching really early on and, and build them up. I, I kind of feel like him and I, I get Devitt involved as well. You know, he's probably not going to be working to next season. 
try and get these good characters into the squad and build a good like good atmosphere on the club. Yeah, I mean, I know for a fact Granger has been working with our academy yeah, for nights yeah, a week. Has, um, yeah. Well, his son's I think, the, I don't know what age the group goalkeeper, he is, but he's think, the yeah. goalkeeper at one of the age groups. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, ideally, I, I'd love him here in some form of capacity because, you know, we're not going to have the Simo in out debate this week, but he's not going to be here forever. And I think it's spoken a lot about in recent years that managers don't get as much time at clubs as they used to mm-hmm. and that works the other way you know we, we said before about Neil Harris you know managers get an, another offer from a club and they're gone and I yeah. feel like you know Simo isn't going to be here forever and if we can have someone who gets the club the way that a, a Danny Granger would maybe as his replacement one day you know 10 games into a League 2 season you know if we're top of the league winning 5-0 every week and it's all wonderful if our manager is from, say, Manchester or London, when a club down there sacks their manager in League One, where are they going to be looking for the next manager? You yeah. know, they're going to be looking yeah. at the top of League Two. So, if we can have someone who gets the club the way Simo does and sort of offers us a little bit of loyalty to build what we want to build, I think that's the best way forward. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about getting a few of these faces, and not, I'm not just obviously as I mentioned, they're not just, just Granger, but someone like Devitt and there's other faces down the years. So, you know, I'm sure would be interested in getting involved with the coaching side and things like that. So, I think it's really good to try and you know make them feel like they're part of the club still and that they want to come back and be involved. And you get that impression with both Granger and Devitt that they'd love to. So, yeah, it's just just all, all the best to Danny for the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure Workington are going to stay up. I'm just looking in the table; oh, they're, they're yeah. fairly comfortable, aren't they? And to be yeah. fair. They've done pretty well in their first season back up. I think they've drawn a lot of games, haven't they, actually, Adam? You, you know, watch it a bit closer than me. But they're, yeah, they're they've had a lot of high-scoring games as well, Yeah, um, which might speak to the uh, the, the style of football. Um, mm. Although the games down at that level can be quite erratic. Sometimes you get games where they can be boring as anything. In the second half is seven goals or something like yeah. that. That's just the type of football and the uh, varying levels of players you get down there. Um, but, yeah... If they could convince him to come, but I, I don't think he'd come in as an assistant manager as such. No. I think he may be just his, obviously with his son being in the academy and and um, mm-hmm. just his sort of general nature. I think an academy role maybe would suit him first, and then he can transition to to the first team if needs be, or if he wanted to. Um, but like I said, having players like him back involved with the club would be would be a nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. As, as you said, looking there, they've scored 57 goals, which you know I think is the best in the bottom half of the division. But they've also conceded 63, which is, I think, like one of the fourth worst, I think, in the bottom half. So it probably tells you exactly what you said there. You know, I think losing Dan Wordsworth was a big blow for them as well earlier in the season. Obviously, he retired from playing. So I think that's been a bit of a challenge to replace him. But there you go. Right, uh, that's pretty much it for this week. I don't think there's anything else to cover. Um, thanks once again, guys, for joining me. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, no worries. Thanks everyone for listening as usual. Um, I always forget to say, if you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Brunton Bugle. Um, we're on Facebook as well. We don't update the Facebook page as much as we should do. I probably should get around to doing that a bit more often. We're also on Instagram. Again, I don't update that anywhere near as much as I should. The Twitter page is the best place to grab us generally. Or if you want to drop us an email, we're always uh, keen for you know correspondence from listeners. Bugle at gmail.com. Uh, get yourselves involved there. Um, we'll be back next week with a review of the uh, Reading game and a look ahead to the trip to Charlton, which I think me and you are both doing, Mike, aren't we? We're going on yeah. one of the early trains. Not the earliest, because you wouldn't let me book the really cheap one. You just insist. <laughs> 
insist <laughs> to thy book later because you wanted to lie in because you were working till late the night before or something like that, I think you said. Well, not only that, but you think, oh, yeah, we'll save three quid by getting the early train, but then we spend 40 quid in that extra hour on food <laughs> yeah. and drink in London, yeah. so... Yeah, my logic is out the window on that one, but there you go. So, yeah, we'll both be at that one anyway. We'll be talking ahead of that game. Um, yeah, but I think that's pretty much it. So uh, all I've got left to say is uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.